And this is a Good Story is Hard to Find podcast. Where two Catholic friends talk about the books and movies they love and the traces of the one reality that lie below the surface. Mm -hmm. So this is our 199th reality that lies below the surface. I don't think that can be right. (laughs) We maybe made an error in calculating. No, I doubt it. (laughs) I divide that by pi or something. (laughs) Oh, So uh, today I thought we'd talk about... The World's End, uh, directed by Edgar Wright, which is the third movie in the Cornetto trilogy. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about the other two on the podcast. In fact, the first one was Shaun of the Dead, and that was episode 20. That's funny that we talked about it that early. Yeah, yeah. And I know that because I went back and I listened to a little bit of it. And it was How funny. Were we? Oh, we we were so good. Were we young and so carefree? <laughs> yeah, it was it was twenty seven years ago, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and we were young. We were we. Um, but yeah, at the at the opening, I said something like Edgar Wright. Yeah, this guy's kind of interesting, <laughs> you know. And and you were like, well, yeah, you know. And and now I'm like all Edgar Wright. I just love this guy. Yeah, I, I like amazing. all his films. Yeah, Scott Pilgrim. What mm-hmm. a movie that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just love it. So, but yeah, but The World's End is, uh, it was in 2013. That was when it was released. And it is the third movie uh, that stars uh, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost and was written by Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright and directed by Edgar Wright. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're, I guess you'd say... I don't know, uh, kind of a thematic uh, connection. Um, they're all three set in uh, England. They're all three of a specific genre, you know, each one a different one. Yeah, each is a send-up of a different genre, really. Mm-hmm. So the first zombie movies, the second, um, which was Hot Fuzz, was cop movies, but also small-town mysteries. Yeah. And then the this one is... Alien invasion, mm-hmm. end of the world kind of thing, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. And I guess uh, the other thematic thing um, that I thought of is it's really all three of them have to deal with uh, uh, an individual versus a collective kind of a thing. Oh, yeah. You know, so yeah, all three of them do that. Yeah, I didn't think of that. I actually was thinking of the character... It's funny because Simon Pegg, he's essentially, there are three different characters, but because they're all played by Simon Pegg, you can look at them as what if this character is like this? What if he's like this? What if Mm. he's like this third thing? And so it's kind of interesting to see how it's structured with those three personality types or levels of development. Yeah, that is interesting to look at him all three that way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so what we have in this one is the uh, sort of burnt-out alcoholic <laughs> suicidal guy. <laughs> yeah. You know? Which is cheery, guy. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's so cheery. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so his name is Gary King, right? Mm-hmm. And he basically yep. was the coolest kid in high school, but those days are long past. Mm-hmm. At least according to himself, right? Well, 
I don't know. His friends all seem to acknowledge it, too. Yeah, they did. They all followed him. Mm -hmm. They all follow him when he gets, well, he essentially fools them into getting back together to finish an unfinished quest from the day they graduated high school. Hmm. which was the Golden Mile, which in their tiny town, I find it hard to believe there's 12 pubs in that tiny town <laughs> that can all keep people uh, or keep people employed. But so it's the Golden Mile, I guess, and you're supposed to do a pint at every pub. And if by the time you get to the end, if you're still alive, then I don't know what you win, but you win <laughs> just from doing it. And um so we see all of them at the beginning, and they don't make any bones about it. Gary's in a some kind of a therapy group. Yeah, he's and, in some kind of therapy group. Yeah, you know, talking about that day, you know, and mm -hmm. how how great it was, you know. Yeah, this triumph. Which, yeah, which gives us the template against which we judge the whole rest of the movie. How are they doing on accomplishing this goal? And he basically decides that, as I said, he's going to get everyone together. So he goes and basically has to lie to all of them to fool them into coming to do it. They also, for some reason, do it. Yeah. Yeah. Which says a little bit about them too, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're all shown in these, um, well, you know, th there isn't actually a lot of time dwelt on it, but you know, they're all doing these jobs. There's a banker and there's a, a car salesman and there's uh, some type of a builder and they're all have these uh, these uh, you know jobs and marriages and some divorces and you know just life. Mm -hmm. And uh, Gary is like outside of all that. You know he's been pushing against it the entire time, and it's like he's stuck in uh, being a teenager, right? And, yeah. Um, there there had to been something appealing about that to get these guys actually to say you know okay even though they were being fooled. Um, you know, they were being uh, talked into it. You yeah, know. you know, the thing that's funny is I can't remember Nick Frost's character's name, but they all said, is he doing it? Yeah. Really? Right, right. And once he, he lies to them and says, oh, yeah, mm -hmm. then they're on board. And so then I guess you have to start to wonder, who is it that they're following? Yeah, yeah. Is it Gary or is it Nick Frost? True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody was asking about Nick. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Who so, must have gone through some kind of a rock bottom, right? Because it, although they don't dwell on it, they tell um, it later at the end. Yeah, but. so that he he uh, uh, yeah he he actually doesn't drink anymore at the mm -hmm. beginning of the movie and all this stuff. You know, so something had happened where he came out the other side. It was yeah. like Gary didn't come out the other side, but Nick Frost did. Right. Well, and so they all wind up together at the train station saying, I can't believe we all did this. We're waiting. And, and Gary shows up and it's like, he's the most maddening person any normal person ever knows. I mean, he's an, after he gets them to all be there on time, he's an hour late. He shows up with the same old car he's always had that he never even changed the registration over from the person he bought it from, who's one of his friends, so that every time he gets stopped for drunk driving or whatever, the points go on that person's record. I mean, he is the most irresponsible person in the world. And you're just going, what is going on here? Mm -hmm. At least I am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No question. And you're right. Yeah. You, you nailed him perfectly. You know, he's, he's maddening. 
you know, and, and I've, I've known some people like that where you're just like, wow, <laughs> you know, just maddening. Do you still right. hang out with those people? I mean, did uh, you hang out with them? Or? Sure. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's someone you work with. Oh. You know, I actually have in mind someone I used to work with, uh-huh. you know, in that. Sometimes I've been unable to get away from those kind of people because of work mm-hmm. or we belong to a mutual group, you know. Yeah. But like a church group or something like that. I mean, not as bad as Gary in my church groups, just going to say. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, but they're maddening mm-hmm. and everybody makes allowances for them. Yeah, yeah. But never in personal life where I could eventually kind of wiggle out of it. Mm-hmm. So watch it, Scott. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, if you start that stuff with yeah. me. <laughs> you know, you know, one of the things that I noticed this time that somehow I hadn't ever is hmm. um, Gary's name is Gary King. Andy's is Andy Knightley. Oh. Oliver is Oliver Chamberlain. Oh. And then there's Stephen Prince and Peter Page. They're all in court to the king. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you clever thing. No, Edgar Wright, the clever thing. I watched well, yes. it with I watched it with the subtitles on. Oh, so I was like, oh, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I uh, that I think I'm just going to do that from now on because you notice things like these. Mhm. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. How interesting. Well, yeah, and subtitles will show you things, you're right, that you mm-hmm. don't know. Rose was talking about watching oh gosh what is that movie about compton about the rappers oh yeah compton's in the title right yeah compton's Mm -hmm. in the title and she said that she and hannah were talking and hannah was going wasn't it great and rose is going well yeah in that they're fighting against the man or whatever she says but because it was a lot of real rappers and they were showing their them coming along and they watched it with the captions on. She saw, she saw all the lyrics to all their songs, mm. which were some of the most hateful, misogynistic lyrics in the world. And she's like, "And why everybody's acting like these people are saints? I don't know." <laughs> and the, those are the things you notice when you would normally maybe let them slide by. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, a couple other names. Um, you know, Pierce Brosnan's character. His name was Guy Shepherd. Oh. And then uh, Reverend Green was kind of an obvious one there. Well, yeah, that, yeah. that I, even I caught. <laughs> yeah, but uh, that's one of the things I love about these movies. I mean, they're rewatchable that way because there are these little things in there, you know, like the names of all the pubs and everything, you know, which yes. we've, we've talked about before. But every right. the name of every pub means something, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and what's going on in the story. Yeah, it but, matches up to what's happening yeah. at the movie right. or in the movie plot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, Gary King gets these guys together and they try to do that Golden Mile as adults. But then some stuff happens. <laughs> <laughs> some unexpected things occur that have to do with robots and aliens. Well, which, and you such, know, happens. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, and it's such a clever play on the fact that when you go back somewhere you know, the little town that you went to high school in and you left and you never went back to, Mm. there is this weird sense of nostalgia, but also not fitting in anymore. Everything's a little off. Yeah. Because things have progressed Mm -hmm. there. 
It's like, yeah, you can never go back because the place you were doesn't exist anymore because right. it's moved on, right? Things are yes. continue to change when you're not present. And you've moved in a different direction also. Absolutely so your right. perspective yeah. is different. Yeah. And so when you go back, the fact that they used that to play off of the idea that there are aliens or robots or both mm -hmm. invading this village, kind of like a body snatcher situation. Yeah, for sure. And I felt like some of it was kind of a homage, actually. I mean, I felt it went that far. Like when their mouths are open and they're pointing, you know. Um, okay. You know, invasion of the body snatchers. I've only read, isn't there a story it's, those are based on? Um, Jack Finney wrote Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And then there was uh, yeah. something called The Midwitch Cuckoos. Oh, okay. Um, by, um, oh, what was his name? John Wyndham. Oh, oh. Yeah, and though those were set in England as well. Well, yeah. I've read The Invasion of the Body Snatchers, but I never saw the movies, so. Oh, okay. There, there's a famous scene with Donald Sutherland who points and his mouth is slacked open and he's screaming, you know, basically um, saying, this person doesn't belong here. Got it. Yeah, so it's kind of the same the same expression. Although so in, in this one, you know, lights come out of their eyes and mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I did love that. Yeah, so... That was brilliant. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And so um, in a lot of ways, it's funny because this may be the exact set that they used for Hot Fuzz. Mm. No, it's, mm. it's not, I guess, but there's a roundabout and um, the, the and there are things that are used from other pieces of other movies. So which of his own movies. So those are homages to the gang of kids, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The gang of kids in Hot Fuzz that gets used. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. that in a completely different way. Yeah, there is, of course, the famous fence, <laughs> jumping over a fence thing, which is <laughs> it has something different happens in each movie. Simon Pegg tries to jump over a fence. So <laughs> I saw that and I went, oh my gosh, I'd forgotten that from the other two movies. Uh, so you've got these various homages. Bill Nye, and in one way or another, is featured in each movie. Yeah, the end Those is nigh. Hmm? The end is nigh. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, they um, are also homages to the other things and, and, and connected in that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of it. Yep. Yeah. And it, <laughs> and it is a comedy, you know, uh, uh, there's a lot of funny things that happen. But to be honest, you know, Simon Cake's character was really hard to laugh at. It was more of a... You know, uh, this nervous, tragic feeling, you know, it's just like, oh, this guy's trying to be funny. <clears throat> you know, I think Peg did it very well. Yeah. But uh, so you you get the same uncomfortable feeling that you do around folks like that, that are, um, you know, just kind of in their own world, uh, kind of uh, um, stuck, you know, in the past, um, you know, wanting to be an age that they're not. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just awkward. And I think he nailed that awkwardness. Well, and it's also the other level, though, is the running rough shot over what anyone else wants. Right. Yeah. That's, so a, that's a big part of it. Yeah. He wants. He's not taking what anyone else says into consideration unless he needs to use it to manipulate them mm -hmm. toward his goal. Yeah. And that's even though it's played in a lot of ways for funniness in this movie, that's really a big characteristic of an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. He is clearly an alcoholic. And it's, um, 
I mean, the fact that toward the end, and, and I, I think we're done with the summary, right? Oh, so, sure. Uh-huh. I mean, I don't yep. know that. I don't know that we could really spoil it. Yeah. Except yep. That just you know you have to watch it and put all the pieces together. Mm-hmm. But um, there's a part at the end. Maybe it's the next to the last pub where. Or maybe it's the last, no, next to the last one where Nick Frost is fighting his way in because he's going to grab Gary and save him. Mm-hmm. And and he's over, Gary's over at the uh, bar and he's poured himself a pint and he's like, I'll be, I'll be there in a minute. I'll be there in a minute. But he has to finish the pint. <laughs> right. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's ostensibly for the goal, but it's also, this is an alcoholic. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so, Absolutely. Simon Pegg, I saw an interview when I was looking around for bits of trivia on the movie, and he said he was an alcoholic when mm. he was doing the first Mission Impossible movie. Oh, really? Yeah, and he said, I really could understand this character because you get so good at hiding things. Mm. You may be upsetting everybody else, but you're upsetting them in a way that's distracting from what you're really doing usually. Mm. And he goes, and eventually you think you're hiding it from people and you're not hiding it from anyone. Yeah, yeah. You know, and right. so that obviously may have fed into how he was playing the character. Yeah. So he did this in 2013. And so the first Mission Impossible was before that. That's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Because he's kind of a big deal now, Simon Pegg. That's, you know? I still really don't feel that way because <laughs> <laughs> I knew him from the the first of these movies yeah, and then we yeah. went back and watched space space that's right and i started to watch that i haven't finished it but i've watched maybe five or six episodes enjoy them yeah they're yeah. i love them so much and that's where edgar wright and simon Pegg first worked together so mm, yeah the thing you say about it was hard to watch simon Pegg in a lot of this yeah not only was he annoying as could be but you also could feel that desperation under everything, but you couldn't understand why he was doing this Mm -hmm. halfway through the movie. They know there are aliens or robots. They don't know there's aliens, but they know there are robots. They know something's really, really wrong. And he keeps talking them into going to the next pub (laughs) and they keep doing it. Yeah. He's like, yeah, we got to keep, we got to keep going. You know, this, this is the only way we can get through this is just to act normal. Right. Even though they're not acting normal. (laughs) I did love the scene where they're like, right, let's go act normal. And they're all walking lockstep next to each Mm -hmm. other as if they were robots. Yeah, yeah. And in everybody in the scene who's marching around the town is all marching in step too. Mm -hmm. It was, that was really funny. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that that was the most interesting aspect of the, the characters, you know, is how they just kept following him. You know, and there there is a pub called the Good Companions. You know, yes. and, and at that um, at that moment, you know, they know that these are robots, and they're like, you know, what are we going to do? And at that time, you know, Gary is the only one that wants to keep going, but everybody else does because you know they they want to survive this. You know, they're afraid, but um, you know they're they're able to be talked into. Well, this is the the right thing to do. Well, you know what the problem is, is the rest of the group, for one thing, they've fallen back into their group dynamic where he was the leader long ago. Mm-hmm. But even when they all know he's doing something wrong, they themselves can't agree on stuff. Right. So the one character still is interested in seeing Sam, who mm-hmm. is a girl that he was interested in so long ago and never got over. 
um, everybody's got a different goal. Mm-hmm. And because they, or they're distracted by something else. Like the other guy is worried because he saw the guy who was a bully a long time ago. Yeah. And that makes him flashback to all these things. So they are not united in being able to pull against him. And because his will is the more insistent, they all just kind of go along with it, which is, you know, of course, ridiculous. But mm-hmm. here we are. Yeah. And Nick's drinking again. Nick Frost. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. like, let's go after that fight in the bathroom. Yep. Well, and you find out. Once you get toward the end, you find out what happened that made him have such a definitive break with Gary, Hmm. which is that Gary was in such bad shape. Nick was driving him to the hospital, and there's a horrible car accident because nobody should have been driving. Mm -hmm. And he's left there almost dying because the femoral artery is punctured and everything. And Gary suddenly comes to life again and runs away, Mm -hmm. abandons him. He goes, and then after 12 hours of life-saving surgery, I went to jail <laughs> over it. And Gary never came through for him. Right. And he's like, I thought you were the king. Hmm. And you abandoned me and betrayed me. Yeah, tragic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is why he never, he quit drinking and everybody's like, oh, is he going to go along with this? Because they know what happened. Right, right. And how do you, I mean, how do you come back from that? Because Gary never really redeems himself for that. Mm-hmm. He's still abandoning everyone for his own goal. He's the one leading them to all the pubs. He's the one Nick Frost is still going after to save toward the end when he's insisting on finishing the Golden Mile. Mm-hmm. And um, at that point, he's like, why do you want to do this? And he's like, because it's all I have. Mm-hmm. Which is one of the saddest things in the world. Right, no question. Yeah, he's like, my golden future never happened. That was supposed to be the beginning of a wonderful life, and it never happened. Right, it's, it's a big lie, he said. Mm-hmm. You know, that the feeling the that we could take on the whole universe, the whole thing was a lie. Nothing yeah. happened. Yeah. But the, the problem is, he was just like, you can't just wait for that to happen. You know, that you need to be actively doing that. Right. Nobody just comes up to you and gives it to you. Which is why nobody else was that interested in going back and doing that golden mile. Mm -hmm. They all had lives. Right. You know, we find out later that somebody's wife has left him and, you know, maybe things aren't the greatest. They could be like um, the guy who's the builder or architect or whatever Mm -hmm. he is. He's... He's got a a 26-year-old fitness instructor girlfriend, but he would drop her in a heartbeat for this old flame who he never got over. Mm-hmm. So everybody's got things they're struggling with, but they've all moved on, which is what you have to do to be a grown-up. But yeah. Gary King never became a grown-up. Yeah, and it's interesting, you know, as we talk about this, you know, so Nick Frost's character, he did have that shock that shocked him out of it mm-hmm. and caused him to reform and move on. And then he did move on, right? But yeah. Gary King just ran away from that. And by running away from that, he he got stuck. Yeah. Right? He didn't have that thing that snapped him out of it. Until the very end of the movie, when he did look, the universe, the universe did drop something in his lap. Mm-hmm. And everything changed. Yeah. He's the only one happy with how things turned out. Really. <laughs> Which is an interesting thing to think about, you know, because 
you know, here he is talking to these aliens, you know, and they're like, we want to do this. And he's like, no, we want to be free, you know? Mm-hmm. And then the re- the result of that is that the earth is destroyed. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they, they go into an apocalypse, you know? Right. So because of this conversation with Gary King, it brings on the apocalypse. Um, you know, not to say that, that most humans may not, you know, might have come to the same conclusion of what they wanted, right? They don't want to be autom- automatons or, you know, servants mm-hmm. or slaves, you know. They don't well, want to be that. Yeah, they do point out that there are only three human beings left in the village because they had to replace all of them because nobody would go along with them, really. Mm-hmm. Everybody's too stubborn and independent. And the other seed villages that they've been trying to do this with around the world have had the same problem. Mm-hmm. Like, you you humans, you're just so annoying, you know. Yeah. Yeah, you won't let us help you. Yeah, <laughs> all these things, right? And so, um, it's, yeah, and so it comes down. It's like, face it, we're the human race, and we don't like being told what to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what causes most of our problems, right? right? <laughs> <laughs> Which is what makes it a virtue to have to get along with other people and give mm-hmm. things, give up to other people. I mean, yeah. it's so funny because. That declaration is one where you go, yeah, and then you go, oh, crap. (laughs) (laughs) Our our damnation at the same time. Yeah, no question. It it really is that, you know, when you look at it. It's Yeah, it's it's our free will. Yeah, this 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 free will, free will above everything else or not, not sacrificing or or anything like that. It's both glorious and it's uh, destructive. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So we have to learn how to harness our free will in the service of things that matter the most. Mm-hmm. And when you're like Gary, you're just using your free will to ping off the walls. Yeah. You're not serving anyone, including yourself. Yeah, including right? yourself. I mean, I, I, one of the <laughs> images that sticks in my head is, you know, that that opening scene where he's in the group mm-hmm. and having just told the story and he's sitting there just smiling, you know. And then somebody says something like, you know, are you, are you upset that you never finished it? And it was like, oh, oh, yeah, I'm going to go finish it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it became, you know, this, this, this great thing in his life, you know, that he tells a story and it causes him, you know, pleasure. This was the most awesome thing ever. And then somebody said, but you never really finished it. And now it's like, oh, now I got to go finish it. Or he yeah. gave him the idea, right? Right. Yeah. And then but at the, the end, you see bandages around his wrist because he wouldn't yeah. show anybody his arms. Mm-hmm. And of course, so he's tried to commit suicide. Yeah. yeah. So he's not happy. Um, not at all. Just expressing his free will and not working toward anything or serving himself or anyone else. Yeah. Um, so it's that delicate balance, I guess. And of course, then if you're a Christian, you look at what Jesus told us to do, and it's like, this is the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. It's... It's uh, it's going to sound terrible to anybody who's not a Christian, but you know, it's obedience to God mm-hmm. and trusting. Well, yeah, yeah, I, know, agree, I agree with that. What's best for you, you can still express it through your free will in these various ways, but you can't run things yourself because you wind up like Gary. Yeah, and the the thing is, you know, you talk about that obedience, but it's it's like, you know, these these things that we're uh, being obedient to or the things that we're doing in obedience are things that ultimately are helpful, right? Mm-hmm. You know, even if they may not seem like it, you know, at first when we don't quite understand, 
Yeah. Um, it's not like we're we're doing things that um, are just to do them. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, the, everything has purpose and meaning. And um, so he's basically saying, hey, this is a path to a good life. Yeah. This is a path that's going to help you be everything that you can be. And it's not, um, he's not taking you away from that. It's actually, you know, so it's like, you know, when you meld your will to his, that's when things are going really well. Um, yeah. And it's, the problem is, of course, is that we're short-sighted. We can't see a bigger picture. And so when you're doing that, sometimes you're like, oh my gosh, I have to, you know, I don't know what it is. Go to mass mm-hmm. every week. I have to, you know, pray every day. I have to, I don't know. Some of these things seem arduous sometimes, sometimes they don't, but it's the idea of here are the things that are going to make you a complete, fulfilled, happy person. It's like working out every day or something. Right. Right. And you're just like, this is annoying. <laughs> but yeah, in the end, I'm not doing it. it. Right. Yeah. It's the same so. thing. And then um, the, the other interesting thing, you know, it's a kind of ironic, I guess, is Gary seems happy at the end. <laughs> you know, he's in, he's in a wasteland, but he's got another group, but he's not drinking. You know, he's asking for water. Mm-hmm. And I haven't fully formed what I think about that, you know. So it's, it's this rebellion against being controlled. Conformity. Conformity, right? So then that results in the destruction of the world or this post-apocalyptic kind Mm -hmm. of thing. And then he's walking around there pretty darn happy about it. And, uh, you know, he's got robots with him now, right? (laughs) You know, I haven't quite fully got, you know, how I feel about all that. Um, I wonder if part of that goes back to, first of all, he has a rebellious nature and he wants to be a leader. mm Mm-hmm. Just not very equipped to be a leader of things that people usually want to follow you for. Yeah. But I wonder if part of that goes back to there's a thread in the movie of being Starbucked. Yes. <laughs> all yes. the pubs have lost their individuality. They all look just like each other. They all have the same kind of beer. Mm-hmm. And they say, oh, well, that's the way it is. Everything's Starbucked these days. Right. It all looks the same. And so, and that's what they're doing to the people. That's what the aliens understand to try to make people conform. And so, there's this feeling of the modern world is trying to assimilate us mm-hmm. into conformity. Yeah, and definitely. Isn't that what mm-hmm. the problem was? The villains in Hot Fuzz in the village were complaining about that, right? That's right. Yeah. They mm-hmm. wanted to keep their individual village. Mm-hmm. And not have all the other things move in and, you know, have it be how they wanted it. Right. It does have this this uh, kind of an assimilation thing, you know, through all three movies, I guess, really. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, I remember in Shaun of the Dead, um, one of the scenes that I loved was, was him. Uh, the morning after everything had started to happen, you know, he wakes up and he goes to the store he goes to every day. Mm-hmm. But he's completely oblivious. Yeah, he doesn't actually see anything that's happening, and again, so that's a little bit of an apartness, right? Something mm-hmm. where he's not really in the world; he's kind of moving, moving around in it, but he's not really part of it. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, Gary King's the same way in that aspect. He's he's not part of the world; he's stuck in the past. He wants to stay there. 
Yeah. Then he doesn't want to be it. But for for Sean, it's just he's kind of a slacker. He's not really motivated. He's just uh, content, I guess, where he's at, not not planning to move forward. Well, and that's essentially that apartness is the problem for all three characters, right? Because yeah. in Hot Fuzz, his mm-hmm. apartness is he's so good at what he does. Mm-hmm. We're not used to seeing Simon Pegg in that role, but he is the best cop. He's making everyone else look bad mm. because he's taking the rules and the goals and making them his um, his reason for being. And everyone else is like, could you just relax a little bit, man? <laughs> Which is why I get sent out to the countryside where it's the ultimate slack yeah, in the yeah. police department for right. various reasons. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so in the first movie, he's his character is just kind of maintaining He's a slacker. He's not moving forward. He's not going backward. We can see he's on the tipping edge of of not moving forward ever. Mm-hmm. And so in the second movie, he's the perfectionist overachiever. In the third movie, he's the alcoholic who's longing for past glory. And in all of them, you're right, he's apart from the general community. It's just what is the general community? Is it worth joining? Does it need shaking up? Mm-hmm. Where does where do, where does injecting him into that community change it for better or worse? Or yeah, him? and then that's that's really interesting. So I mean, if we think about that further, you know, Sean has a community, right? And he mm-hmm. goes after it. That's what he does when things hit the fan. He goes after his community, his girlfriend, his mom. Mm-hmm. He's collecting all these people, right? Yes, yeah, and friend. then and then um, Nick Angel. He discovers community, right? He because yeah. his friend, and then um, well, it was really mostly Nick Frost in that one. I'm trying to think of, uh, you know, who else he had around him. Well, by the end, it's the other policeman. The other policeman, right? That's right. right. Yeah, because he was a team with them at the end. Right. And then in this one, he's got to go get his friends, right? Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting part of it too. Yeah, it's. Yeah, because you can't exist apart from your community if you do your like Gary King. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but can, Gary King, even though he tries, he he can't. Right? You know this right. this glory thing was with other people; it wasn't alone. Right, and yeah. even at the end, he's got his community. Right. He's just chosen a community that is going to go complain about being cast out. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Love it. I have to say the ending found a lot of people found confusing because when you go just looking around with this movie name on Google, you find all these people going, the explanation to the end (laughs) (laughs) of the world's end. Uh What did that ending mean? Yeah. What what exactly is that? Yeah. Because um, when Nick Frost is narrating and he says, well, you know, it's not all bad. My wife and I got back together and... (laughs) Everything's definitely organic. I don't even miss processed foods. That's when the Cornetto rapper hits. Yeah, the and he's like, "Oh, that was so cool." I might miss that. Yeah, and then um, you know, and the other guy, maybe it's, I can't remember his name, but any Pete, maybe Peter. Anyway, mm-hmm. somebody got back. He got back together with the girl. Yeah, right. he'd always missed in high school, and he goes and he's got it. They built a shack somewhere, a really nice shack because mm-hmm. he was the builder. But it shows yeah. them for a second, and so. The idea being you can still have a good life 
even when all this stuff is taken away from you. Yeah. And see these two people that they show us. Well, and in fact, they show us the guy who's now the blank, the robot. Mm-hmm. Who, he's happy selling houses. He's got a soccer ball for a head. And <laughs> um, the other guy is better off as a robot with his family than he mm. was before. Yeah, and so yeah. all these people have kind of gone back to what they were doing before because they are the ones who go on and make a life. They're not stuck the way they were. Mm-hmm. Gary is still stuck the way he was, but it fits in this world now. Yeah, it's kind of like the world adjusted to fit him, I guess. You know, mm-hmm. so he's he's not being controlled at all, which is what he hated, right? Right. And you're right, he is a leader. He's got his young friends, right? And he's mm-hmm. he's on an adventure. Yep. So yeah. No no need for alcohol anymore. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He doesn't need to drink. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So. Yeah. So um, one thing I looked up in the, in the Bible in Ecclesiastes, there's Mm -hmm. this, there's this line. um, It's in the part where it says the, the subtitle or of chapter seven says critique of sages on the day of adversity. Mm. And um, uh, so verse 10, it says, do not say, How is it that former times were better than these? For it is not out of wisdom that you ask about this. And uh, Wow. Yeah. (laughs) It's right there. Oh, those guys in the Bible, they thought of everything (laughs) (laughs) before we did. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) So way to go. Um, But yeah, it's, it's, you know, just, I was just trying to think of, you know, well, what, you know, we're, we we shouldn't be dwelling on the past, you know. And the Bible actually says in there that that we shouldn't. But um, but that's an interesting thing, you know, because I do it sometimes. You know, it's like, um, well, that Saint Francis thing. I should should I read that? Yes. Um, so today happens to be the 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 day that we're recording this happens to be the um, feast day of Saint Francis de Sales. Yay! Yay! Way to go, Saint Francis. Mm-hmm. So let me, Mister Practical Saint. There's <laughs> yeah. how you live in the world, right? So, in introduction to the devout life, which we have also done a show on, by the way. Yeah. Um. Uh. He he wrote this, and and I thought it really applied to this movie. So. So Saint Francis de Sales says, "Day is continually turning to night." Spring to summer, summer to autumn, autumn to winter, winter to spring. No two days are ever exactly alike. Some are foggy, rainy, some dry or windy. And this endless variety greatly enhances the beauty of the universe. And even so precisely it is with man, who, as ancient writers have said, is a miniature of the world. For he is never long in any one condition. And his life on earth flows by like mighty waters, heaving and tossing with an endless variety of motion. One while raising him on high with hope, another plunging him low in fear, now turning him to the right with rejoicing, then driving him to the left with sorrows. And no single day, no, not even one hour, is entirely the same as any other of his life. And that's St. Francis de Sales. Um, I love that. Yeah, me too. And it, it ties into this movie in that, you know, uh, again, we, we've said it, but Gary King is stuck. 
and he's looking mm-hmm. back. And then in Ecclesiastes, it says, hey, do not say, how is it that former times were better than these? You know, it's like looking for those good old days, right? For it is not out of wisdom that you ask about right. this. Well, and if you're looking at it in the way that, <clears throat> excuse me, St. Francis de Sales is pointing out, that goes along with the whole idea too, which is one of my favorite things about the church is the liturgical year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and which goes with the seasons of the year. It doesn't, you know, if you're not Catholic, you just look at that. I mean, there's no spring that's like any other spring, no winter that's like any other winter. There, But we know what to expect. Mm-hmm. They are these things. They will come after each other, but they are unique each time. Mm-hmm. And so, the church has the liturgical times of the year. You have Advent, which is the beginning of the church year, and it leads into Christmas. Well, we all know Christmas, but… Of course, that's longer than for the regular world, but um, then going into a little bit of regular time, ordinary time, where the weeks are counted, there's no special feast, and then Lent and Easter, back to ordinary time. And within all those, we're provided with these varying readings that are still focusing on the same focus, Mm -hmm. um, the same time of year each time. And so, your your years are ordered by, you know, the way your life develops, as St. Francis points out, mm-hmm. which is like the weather and the year and everything, and then the church does the same thing. And and if you're trying to hold out the way Gary is, you're getting nowhere. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and earlier in Ecclesiastes, as you were reading that, it made me think, Earlier in that, in chapter three, is that famous, you know, a time to give birth and a time to die, mm-hmm. a time to plant and a time to uproot the plant, a time to kill and a time to heal, right? All yeah. that stuff, right? A time for everything. Yeah, and so if his identity was all tied up in being the leader of this group, he couldn't move forward right. because they all had to move forward. There are times when you have to part from each other. Right. And, and there's, there's times that you, uh, you, you're, you're, you're missing the times that are now. Right. And and you're not going to, you're not going to be able to participate in the times that are now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I look back, you know, and I have peak times, you know, in my life where I look back and say, wow, that was a really good time. Mm -hmm. Or even, you know, when I'm in it too, you know, you kind of feel like, Hey, things are really going yeah. This is really something, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, but there's something to be said for those, and there's something to be said for that. And then, you know, the negative times also, mm-hmm. um, we go through those. And we need to go through those, right? Yeah. And the thing is, is that Gary wants to go back or... Well, he doesn't want to go through those. It's like, well, I, want, yeah. I want to be happy. I don't want to be controlled. I don't want... Uh, right. I don't want to deal with anything negative, even though his choices are presenting very negative things for him all the time. Yeah. He's like wanting to ignore those things and not deal with those things, mm-hmm. not to walk through those things. You know. Yeah, and I have to say, I never. Um, I was thinking this made me think about high school reunions, mm. which I've never gone to one, mm-hmm. but. Those are, you know, classic things to show in movies or TV shows or whatever. People yeah. learn something about themselves or they want to prove something or whatever it is, connect with someone they never did. And I always thought I was completely disinterested in those. I didn't love high school that much. 
And it wasn't that I hated it. I just went through it and didn't really think about it. But it's not something I wanted to revisit. And so I think mm-hmm. about this visit to this town, and maybe that's why this has always been my least favorite of the three movies. And I'm just like, because I don't understand why those guys would even do what Gary wanted. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously they're not as, they don't have lives that are quite as perfect as were shown, but there's some other dynamic going on there that, yeah. Yeah, you know. that's interesting. Yeah, I'm not a, a reunion attender either. Um, I went to one, I think it was a five year. Maybe, mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't, I didn't go to any others. I don't plan to. Um, well, it's funny because one time it came up and my husband said, you know, you could go. And I'm like, eh, why? And he goes, well, <laughs> he goes, you live in Dallas, Texas. You're, you know, you're a blogger. You've written a book. You've done these things. You, you help, you co-own your own little company. You, he goes, mm-hmm. you're an accomplished person. Mm-hmm. That's something a lot of people would want to go and tell other people about. And I was like, oh, I hadn't really <laughs> thought of it that way, you know? And I was like, eh, I don't care if these people know that. Yeah, and, and I, I don't feel mean, that way about that yeah, stuff. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. mean if you go to reunions that that's what you're doing. Don't get wrong. <laughs> it's like everybody, yeah, everybody you, puts their cards on the table and see who's got the best hand, I guess. I don't yeah, know. I guess that's it. Yeah. And it, it doesn't, but I do remember, and maybe I've talked about this before in our almost 200 episodes. Um, (laughs) I do remember when right before Facebook got going and kind of killed it, I think there was a site called high school reunion or something like that. Hmm. And uh, it would connect you with people that had gone to your high school. And I kind of signed up, I got something and I was like, huh, I'm kind of curious. And the one person I really wound up connecting with again and not connecting personally, but just going, Oh, this is that person. I remember who they are. She was talking about, oh, we're going to have a reunion. You can come back. And I was kind of toying with the idea. And then she started talking about these people still live around here. And one of the people's names she mentioned, I barely recalled. But she had been a very popular person. And I'd never been part of a popular group. I was part of the nerds, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, at a time when being a geek or a nerd was not cool. (laughs) And um, this person I connected with suddenly started ranting about some incident that happened in high school and said, and I've never forgiven her for it. And I've never forgotten if she thinks I'm going to do this. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, (laughs) I do not even know what you're talking about and what is wrong. Mm -hmm. And that's that Gary King thing. Yeah. Yeah. You can't move on. Mm. And um, I just remember being really surprised at that whole situation yeah so um yeah i guess interesting. It's just yeah that's the only time i've really ever stopped and thought about connecting with people like that and and does it matter mm-hmm. i mean do you would you like those people now maybe or maybe they're stuck on something you don't even remember sure sure yeah i wasn't that engaged in high school i, I know that <laughs> no i i had you know I, I don't remember being unhappy at all but Mm-hmm. I wasn't really part of it. I didn't go to games and, you know, I was definitely in the nerd group, <laughs> but I was very happy to be. I was detached. Right. Yeah. Right. There were yeah. like, I found four... the whole thing kind of ridiculous at times. Yeah. Yeah. But I liked yeah. all of them. I mean, I, I don't remember anybody. I don't like, I would, I would be pleased to see somebody on the street or whatever. Um, but yeah, but the, the high school reunion part, it's just not something I've been interested in doing. 
the other thing I wanted to kind of think about is idols with feet, feet of clay hmm. yep. and what it does to you and how, so the fact that Gary was so, um, so such betrayal of Nick mm-hmm. and Nick Frost. And so Nick Frost, you feel like he, you know, he's now denying everything that had anything to do with that. Yeah. He's not drinking, but it's not because he's an alcoholic. It's because it's a not denial of who he was when he followed Gary. Hmm. He still remembers the pain of that denial, which is something you can legitimately carry for a really long time until you've talked to the person, but you have to try to get over it. Right. Yeah. And so I look at our society now, and of course this is not what they're saying in the movie, but I think of idols with feet of clay. Hmm. Gary King was not really a worthy idol. But no one's allowed to have feet of clay. What Gary did was terrible. Yeah. But even now, just no one can not be perfect without mm-hmm. getting excoriated for it. Yeah. I mean, it's in a completely <laughs> different line of thinking, but right, for sure. I'm sick of that. Yeah, I'm so sick of that too. It's hard to even be around it for me anymore. Yeah. It's like Twitter is just a very negative place. You know, not not that it always has been, but. It's vicious, man. My gosh. And and people are so sure mm-hmm. about every yeah, I don't know. We're gonna go down that road. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, but idols with feet of clay, it's like, you know, defending a position just because, you know, uh that's the position. Yeah. You know what I mean? And just yeah. being blind to everything. And also yeah. it kind of the the, the Gary Nick um storyline also kind of feeds into the other side of that, which is if you are someone who is in a position to be, I don't want to say idolized, but respected or looked up to, and aren't most of us by somebody, mm-hmm. our spouses, our family, our yeah. kids, yeah. our you know, community in some sort, don't we have a responsibility to try to be better? Yeah. 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 You know, Gary never tried to be better. He only thought of himself. Don't we have to think of other people so that, yeah, we're going to have feet of clay and we can't help it. But how much easier is it for people to get over if you're really trying to do everything the best you can? Yeah. I don't want to turn this into a morality tale, but you know, I'm just saying. <laughs> well, it is a bit of one, you know. You know, surely, you know, when uh, when they they started writing this thing, you know, they they kind of knew what they were getting into. Yeah. Um, to try to write a comedy about a suicidal alcoholic is <laughs> that's tough, right? Who does that? But yeah, yeah, who does that? Yeah, but yeah, it, it's nice, you know, when you see Simon Pegg talk about that stuff and and all that. But um, but yeah, um, you know, I I think looking at it in the context, like you said, of all three movies, how what Sean was and what Nicholas Angel was, and now what Gary King is, um, yeah, I mean, that's really they really did a nice job. I mean, this is it's cool to look at them all three that way. Mm-hmm. You know, as as a whole, you know, as a thematically connected movies, you know, not just uh, the ice cream wrappers, <laughs> but they, <laughs> but it's so cool, and and I just, I just love all the foreshadowing. I just, um, mm-hmm. I love all the little things that they put in there. Again, like those pub names, um, I just really just love what these guys do, and uh, well, love to and see them do more. Well, yeah, which probably isn't going to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I also love the fact that 
at the climactic moment of the movie, having come back together and gotten to know each other again more, um, Gary is still loved for who he is and who he was. Hmm. He's the one going, yeah, we're the human race. We don't like to be told what to do. <laughs> and the aliens continuing to argue and Nick Frost and the other friend are all speaking up in support of Gary. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's so he has an intrinsic value of his own also. Right. That they've kind of rediscovered, yeah. even if you can't appreciate most of the parts of it. Right. Agreed. And that's kind yeah. of what you see in all three of these movies. It's just how do you get down to that point? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get rid of all the stuff down to the bedrock. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Love it. <laughs> So I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you watched it. I know this wasn't your favorite of the three. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, but I have a more of a fondness um, after thinking about it a little. Yeah. For one thing. That's cool. It's to me, it's not quite as easily accessible, and part of that is the movie has a very chaotic feel to me. Hmm. You don't ever feel the town as a whole. You don't ever feel them as a group coming together really. Um, the, at the points when they start to come together, they're starting to be broken apart because Martin Freeman's character has become a robot and you can tell that and all these various things. So, um, and it's just one pub after another and everybody's got different goals. And, but I realized that that also reflects Gary King's inner character. Mm-hmm. He is chaotic. He's going for all these things. He's so, and I was like, so in that level, it does a really good job of communicating that character. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Agreed. So Agreed. I had more of a fondness for it than I did. So <laughs> thank well, good. you. Yay. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. So yeah, so uh, Ed, you know, just briefly, you know, Edgar Wright has certainly moved on from here. Um, with uh, Baby Driver was his next one, so there was a four-year gap oh, there. Yeah. yeah, and that wasn't—I never saw it. Did you? Yeah, yeah, I did. I liked it. Yeah. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's something to see. Yeah, it's definitely Edgar Wright. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's very, very interesting. And then, of course, Scott Pilgrim—he did right before The World's End. Yeah. Okay, I wasn't sure where that came in the chronology. Yeah, and then, um, well, Simon Pegg has really <laughs> taken off. I mean, he he seems to be in all the movies. <laughs> yeah, as yeah. a character actor. Right, right. He's so, Scotty in the Star Trek movies. Yeah, yeah. And he's... Um, in fact, I'm looking at IMDb, and it says Untitled Star Trek sequel pre-production. But I thought that that had fallen apart... Because they couldn't sign Chris Pine. And uh, um, anyway, Sorry, I don't know if that's true or not. I guess I'd have to look it up. But I had heard that that was off. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't watch the last one, I think. So. Yeah. yeah um, the, last, the last Star Trek movie was more of a, uh, like an episode almost. It oh, was okay. uh, kind of a, it was fun. It was an adventure just like a, a an episode. I, I don't know what else to say about it. It had nothing really heavy in it. It was yeah. just a fun adventure uh, show. I guess I should watch it. Yeah, sort of a throwback, I felt, anyway. But if there's not really singing and dancing, I'm not sure I can handle no, it. No, there was no singing so, and no dancing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and not enough Carl Urban, that's for sure. Well, t- <laughs> Andy's being Dr. McCoy. Even mm-hmm. Carl Urban ha- can't, you know. Right. He's amazing as Dr. McCoy, but 
you know, I can't yeah. look at Dr. McCoy all day. I have to go for Chris Pine. <laughs> on that. So, uh, right. you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, too good. Well, yeah, and then he's in all the Mission Impossible ones. I was trying to think, mm-hmm. he's, is he a, he's a tech guy, computer guy. Yeah, he started off as a, as a, yeah, he still is. But yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, I like this character. Uh, even, you know, the last Mission Impossible was really good. Super good. Yeah, we just watched it. Oh, a good. Couple weeks ago. Did you enjoy it? Mm-hmm. Good. But yeah, he's, he's, I like, you know, his character has grown over time, uh, you know, from a bumbling idiot to he's still like the comic relief, but he's, he's very competent and I like it. Yes. Yeah. So, yes, he is very competent. Yep. I and like it. Lucky comic relief. <laughs> Heck yeah. <laughs> so cool. But anyway. All right. So what is next for us? Next for us is episode 200, which is the 200th episode by coincidence. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, yeah. Can that be right? (laughs) I know I said that at the beginning. It is amazing. Less likely. Yeah. Right. And I think... I think that we've decided uh, that in the future to celebrate, you know, from 200 to 300, we're going to do two hour long episodes from now on <laughs> because we need to double what we put out there. We need to talk about this when we're done recording. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll, we'll have a conference. <laughs> okay. Yep. Uh, it's okay, everybody. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're going to talk about Bluebeard by Kurt Vonnegut in our episode 200, and we'll have a guest with us to do that. Yes. Yeah. Selected by our special guest. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. So I'm looking forward to that. Me too. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. Have a great couple of weeks. Yep. You bet. We'll talk to you again soon. We'll be back. <laughs> yes, we will. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.